0: Amen. And I have the honor of being able to bring to you what they call a Sermunion. We're going to be having our communion and um, a short message as we get ready to take the Lord's Supper. And I'm going to be leading our thoughts. And so uh, let's get ready. And we're going to be looking in God's Word, and especially as we think about the coming holidays. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we know that whenever we are gathered together as a body you love it when we pray. We love it when we sing to you. You love it, Father, when we can fellowship with one another. Lord, we ask that as your word is shared today, dear God, that um, ultimately it will be your Holy Spirit speaking to us individually. And ultimately, Father, um, nothing will be said that is not what you want to be said. Uh, we pray and I thank you for every person who's here and thank you for special seasons and like times and, and, and what we have um, in our culture at this time. We pray all this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 So welcome again, everyone. And I said, I'm going to have the little sermonion and then I'm getting ready to to, uh, to move on out. And as you can see, they're gonna be doing some stuff and wonder wonder what all these chairs and what's the numbers and things like that. So James French and is gonna be coming up afterwards and is gonna be giving us some direction and of course we're gonna be having some, some food as we do our fundraisers and fellowship, um, right afterwards. So that's gonna be really, really, really cool. So how everybody? Let me do what Paris says. How y'all feeling? <laughs> <laughs> that's a Paris. I know you guys wanted that so I, I, I know you have to have the, how y'all feeling? Um... Those who like titles in their notes, I could say this. Looking through the gift to see the giver. Looking through the gift to see the giver. One great quality of God. God knows exactly what we need and gives his best no matter how difficult it is. That's probably the best biblical definition of love. Giving your best and doing whatever it takes for somebody else's best. Um, For the recipient. not, Not for you, but for the recipient. The best thing about a gift is that it reflects the relationship between the giver and the recipient. A gift is like a little window into what kind of relationship you have with somebody. And I can tell that if a guy gives a girl a certain type of ring it's probably romantic you know that that gives me a good hint and i know if the, if the guy gives the girl like a wrench eh, i don't know like if the guy gives the girl one movie ticket eh, you know i'm not too you can kind of tell there's something that's probably not a romantic or a committed relationship um... but look we all appreciate receiving gifts from the holiday i know a lot of our conversations Uh, in in life, have probably been about gifts that we've loved, you know what's coming, and the gifts that we kind of re-gift, or we kind of put on a shelf, or we, you know, it stays in the bag somewhere at the bottom of a closet, you know, those gifts that we're not so excited by. Um, There's a whole range, from the fruitcake to the, the, the highest, latest technology. Um... It, it, you know, gifts can be funny because, again, they reflect the relationship of the person and the, the character of the person who's giving it to us. Um, and also, I know this. The holidays can be tough. Uh, some of us have lost relatives on the holidays. Some of us have had just life experiences that, you know, all this, this this time isn't the most encouraging. And so what I want to be able to give to you is something that I think transcends all of that, and I want to be able to encourage but I want us to really, I want to be able to encourage and comfort for those of us who this can be a tough time. So I oh, this is a gift to you, uh, that you can walk away with this gift that's appropriate for you. Amen? This is from, you know, they always have experts and everything, some expert. says, when confronted with the inappropriateness of their gifts, people who shop on autopilot seem shocked that their choices come off as offensive. They swear they mean no harm, which may be true, but doing something harmlessly is different than proactively choosing to do something meaningful. So how to keep from being thought of as an insensitive, uncaring lout of a gift giver? Here's some advice. This is just some giving advice. This is all, especially for all the men, you know, when you think about gifts. I think women are very good gifts, gifts, naturally. I may get in trouble for that later, but, amen. Anyway. Uh, admitting. You have a problem is the first step, of course, but also recognize that the gifts you give show your loved ones not only how you feel about them, good and bad, but also how you feel about yourself. Um, according to Dr. Susan Lott, psychology professor at Brew College in New York City, gifts that convey a lack of emotional investment and sensitivity to the needs of the receiver often reflect a lack of self-worth in the giver. In other words, If you grab the first obvious generic gift or gift card you see, you're really signaling that you don't think you're smart enough to figure out what your significant other deserves or would like to get from you. So what is the perfect gift and how do you go about snagging it? You may be surprised to learn that a great gift should be just that, something that satisfies a need or desire. Something that satisfies a need or desire in the recipient, but is something they would not buy for themselves. I think from this so-called expert, I think that there was somebody who gave us an example of that quite a long time ago. Four points from one scripture. John 3.16, probably the most popularized, stereotype only scripture 99.9% of the population may know but I think it's the best nutshell of the Bible of the Christian message and it's also a great tool to learn how to be a great gift giver you'll see what I mean, because there's four things you learn from John 3.16 related to this time Um into eternity one, th- four qualities of God and his relationship with, wh- uh, with us one, God loves and listens. Two, God gives what is needed. Three, God doesn't force it. And four, God thinks long term. God thinks long term. Let's look at, look at John 3.16. And we all know it. We can almost say it together, I think, right? Um, let's go, let's try it. For... there we go. We know it by heart. We all got that scripture memorized. Okay, everybody, first Samuel twelve ten. <laughs> no, I'm just talking. So. That would be cool if it happened. I, I would, that would have freaked me out actually. Um I mean, that's a miracle. That's a miracle. Because uh, I don't know that one either. Uh, one, God loves and listens. It says, for God so loved the world. Jesus reveals that God has a deep love for the world. The same world that would reject him and the same world that stands opposed to everything that he is. The same world that earlier on in the book of gospel, it talks about, you know, and then the Bible talks about, oh, you got to be, you no know, the, the, the world, the world is evil, the world, the world, the world. That's the same word. And he knows that world will reject him. Yet, John is describing how God, how God loves the world. And how God chooses to love is the key. And the first thing is that God chooses to love, not by some vague sentimentality. But God chooses to love by listening, by paying attention to us, by trying to figure out, you know, I'm I'm speaking in human terms, you know, he already's got it figured out. But it's like a good gift giver tries to figure out, man, what does what does James need? What does he really need? That God really listens to our needs. And that's one great quality that he's got. And what follows after, for God so loved the world? Right, And he gave. And the setting up for that is what follows will be God's lesson on how to love others, what they really need. In other words, if this is how the source meets needs, then we all we would do best to learn from, from the best. And its first key is note that God is not described as angry. God is not described in the Bible. Now you see a lot of examples of God's wrath. I get it. You do. You know. You do. It's in the Psalms and this. You see wrath and anger and joke And you see like the Ten Commandments to showing in the holidays and the ground opens up and ah, you know. So we, so we see that view of God. But here you ultimately see God is not angry with you. Let that sink in. We're all sinful. There's some atrocities that will curl all of our hair that we've done and we read about. But ultimately, God is not angry with you. God is not up in heaven going, boy, I can't wait to get my hands on him. Wait till he gets up here or down here. Or wait, or I'm going to get my hands on him. He is listening and thinking of you and hoping and wanting To be able to give you his best. But he's not angry. God so loved the world. Christ died for us even while we were in sin. Paul puts it in a lot of different words, the same thing. Way before, perhaps for even a good man, Paul says. Here's a challenge. Do we communicate to others whether it's by a gift or whatever we do, that we are responsive to them, that we listen to them, and that we're there. You know, sometimes we just need to know that people are there. Like God is. That when the chips are down, when something's going down, I'm going to look to my left, there goes Troy. Using Troy as an example. He's one of those people, to be honest. He's one of those guys who's just there. Something go down, you go, oh, oh. you know, then Troy will be right over there waiting for us, he will be there for you. The Father thinks so much about you, He knows that that's the perfect thing. Just being there is one of the key things about a gift. It shows that you're available. And then as someone started also, it says God gave. God gave His Son. God gives, number two, what is needed. He doesn't give you the stuff you don't need. He doesn't give you the, give you something you don't need. What is it? Clothes. Well, some people do need clothes. (laughs) Huh? A cold? Oh, well, yeah, yeah. You don't need a cold. Definitely. That's that's the truth. I mean, there's so many things that we don't need that we may end up getting. But ultimately, God doesn't... Look, getting gifts that they say that are thoughtless and that seem like the person has no idea can be like so annoying. Uh, You don't want to be ungrateful, but you can feel like this person doesn't have room in their brain for me. It doesn't have room. You feel like you're an afterthought. At best, you feel ignored. And at worst, you can feel hurt. Remember when Jesus said, What father, if a kid asks for bread, will give him a stone? You know, that's just mean. You know, like, I want fish. Scorpion. <laughs> you know, like... Like, who does that? Like, that, that doesn't, who does that? My favorite talk. It doesn't happen. Let me tell you something. If God knows what we need, and the first thing you notice, notice it didn't say, for God so loved the world that he gave the cross. He didn't say that. He didn't say, for God so loved the world that he gave the Bible. He said, for God so loved the world that he gave his what? He gave his presence. If anything Jesus represents, we get into theology, is he represents God's presence among us. Emmanuel. And he said, man, that's what these people need. This world needs a person. A person who's close and who's near. Relationship is primary for us as human beings. Not a doctrine, not a new list of laws, not a new miracle, not just political power, not wealth, but... A person, a shepherd, if you have time, you can look in a, um, throughout the book of John you talk you see how Jesus talks about his presence coming to be with us. God has our back, and he is with us in Christ. One of the things I think we all want to know that we 're shepherded, and this is um, i 'm going to give you a story about one particular disciple who lived a long time ago. Um, this particular disciple. Uh, and I don't agree with him. He, he wasn't like a perfect guy. He had some issues. Um, um, you know, the church he's a part of looked a little different than our church, but he was a disciple. And he had, he's been around a long time ago, he had a certain level of popularity that's still big today. Um, he, he, he came from uh, Turkey, you know, the country of Turkey, in the Middle East Um Look, he was born during the 3rd century in a village called Patara. At that time, it was a Greek area and is now the southern coast of Turkey. His wealthy parents who raised him to be a devout Christian died in an epidemic while he was still young. Obeying Jesus' words to sell what you own and give to the poor, he used his whole inheritance to assist the needy, the sick, and the suffering. He dedicated his life to serving God. And he was basically made like an elder over other elders in this town called Myra. In Turkey, and because this guy was going to be sold everything he had, he just thought about giving to the poor. Um, he was actually at the Council of Nicaea, you know, that began to shift to more what we call Catholicism today. But this was even before the Council of Nicaea. He was thrown in jail because uh, before Constantine, those, those are other history. There was a lot of anti-Christian emperors who resented this new faith. But this guy was known. In fact, he was known for being so giving. He actually fought for the reduction of taxes against an emperor for a town for Myra. That's pretty cool, right? Like he went to the to cut to the leader and said, you know, you need to lower these taxes. That's a great gift, by the way. He said, you need to lower these taxes, and, and the emperor lowered the taxes. Um, he was actually known because back in the day, uh, the larger dowries, you know, if you want to get your daughter married off, the better the chance that a young woman would find a husband if they had a big dowry, a payment. You know, so to speak. Without a dowry, a woman was unlikely to marry because it was that whole, you know, back in those days. This poor man's daughters, a certain poor man's daughters without dowries were therefore destined to be sold into slavery. Mysteriously, on three different occasions, a bag of gold appeared in their home providing the needed dowries. The bags of gold were tossed through an open window. And so this brother had a reputation for being a gift giver. I think that's why this guy's so famous. That's the great St. Nicholas of Myra. He's not from the South Pole or the North Pole. He is from Turkey. And he was a real person, real date, the real birth. And so he was real. He just didn't look like what we think he looks like. But that's where we get that from. People want somebody who got their back. And it lasted through the centuries. Because when he, look, people said, man, this guy is for us. I don't know about those other leaders, but hey, Nicholas of Myra, he is our God. If you want to impact the world, and speaking to us, let's be a church that shows the world what faithfulness looks like. Being there, being there in our marriages for our spouses, that's a great gift to your spouse But to the world, being there for one another, having our friends' backs, like I gave that example I said with Troy, that is a great gift to give our friends. As leaders, being there for those people that we lead, whether you're leading a a small group, leading a ministry, just being there. Can we give a hand for all of our leaders? Every Bible talk, every little this, that, every little just give them an encouragement, man. Because look, the reason they became leaders is because they have this habit, like Nicholas and Myra, of just being there for people. That big brother, big sister spirit. And they may not be the most eloquent, but guess what? They'll be there. They'll be there. Being there in our careers, being the most reliable, the ones who are encouraging, being there in this fellowship. One of the great things about people who are really involved in a fellowship, you know, when some go down, man, when I get to church, I got to speak to George because guess what, George won't be there, and I, I'll be able to grab him. He's going to be there, being there for each other through crisis. That's a wonderful gift. Just being there, and God exemplified it in giving us His Son. Number last two, don't force it. Notice it says here, whoever believes in him. Number three, don't force it. One of the great things about God, the the gift of God is only limited by one thing. One limit. The only people who won't get the gift of the son, unlike Santa Claus, the stereotype of Santa Claus, the only people who won't give this gift are those who don't want it. God won't force it. God ain't going to push it. God ain't going to be like, hey, you better take this. This is Jesus. You better. He died for you. Don't let me have to come down there. You better. Uh, he, he's not going to force it. You don't want it. He's like, it's not for you. It's not for you. Why not? Do you want it? No. Oh, it's not for you. <laughs> so instead of it, bad shot. instead of that, it I'll be something like, uh, um, do you want it? Do you believe it? Do you trust it? I'm telling you, like, that'll be about it. If you don't want it, he ain't gonna force it on you. It's not for you. So if you don't want it, that's fine. That's good. When you want it, it's there though. It's there. And it's totally open to all. Number four, God thinks long term. Anyone you ever got a Christmas sweater or a Christmas ceramic? It's the thing that you get on Christmas Day that you're like, yo, I'm going to have to put this away for the next 360-something days. <laughs> like, like, what, you know, if you want something that meets a need, that's going to be like, you can use it January, you can use it February. You don't want to wear a Christmas tie in February. It's not going to happen. So no Christmas sweaters. God gave eternal life. He gave his son. But why? He said man needs eternal life. Quick note, what is being described is not just living forever in heaven. Eternal life, and this is from the Bible, this is not some strange, weird commentary. The word um, is not just it's living forever. It's the kind of life that begins now and lasts into eternity. It's more the kind of life, an eternal kind of life, a lifestyle that involves living with God starting now that even death doesn't stop it. That's eternal life. God thinks long-term, not just giving you something when you die to get you to heaven and you got your little life insurance. And he knows it because it says that we perish without God. Uh, one of the harsh but truth truths of the scripture, the word perish means simply destruction, to cancel out, remove, To die with the implication of ruin and destruction, caused to be lost, utterly perish, by experiencing a miserable end. That is where the world is going without Christ. It's perishing. And so God knows why he gave us the Son, because we need eternal life now. Yeah, we need heaven. But if you look at this world today, we need eternal life, God's kind of lifestyle, in our marriages, in our parenting, in our city, and in our borough. That's why we want to study with you. Okay, I said it. I know I shouldn't have. I'm sorry, Paris. I said it. reason we want to study the Bible with you, if they've been asking, is because we want you to have this life. Okay, okay, I said it. I said it. I'm sorry. The cat's out the bag. That's the reason why. We don't want to study with you because we like Bible study at the church. We don't want to study with you because it's fun. We don't want to study with you because we have nothing better to do or we're told to do it. We're doing it because we really believe it's what you need. We, we want you to see what we see. That's it. If you want it. If you're curious. But we do want you to see what we see. So brothers and sisters, as we take communion... I want us to remember to love and listen, to give what is needed. Don't force it. Think long term. Hebrews 6 says, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. Church, God will not forget 2016. With all our issues, he will remember you. God has some really great gifts for you in 2017. And God in 2017 has our back. Let's be encouraged. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much as we get ready to take this communion. Father, we we know that we represent what you are doing in this borough. And you have redeemed our lives. Father, you have stepped in and given us the greatest gift. Help us to know that it reflects who you are to us. Help us to know, Father, that you have our back. That God, look, if we yell charge and nobody else is there, you are there. Help us to forgive the times when we don't have each other's backs. Because we blow it, we're not always there for each other. But I pray, Lord, that we can know that you're always there. And that you... Always will provide the kind of people that will be there to support us as well. We are grateful for Jesus' sacrifice because we know this gift did not come cheaply. In Jesus' name, amen.